Hey, quick program note just before we get started. We're going to be covering some sensitive topics, including sexual assault and acts of homophobia on today's episode. If that's not your cup of tea, go ahead and skip it and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Hey, welcome back to part two of Dating in Utah. Alice and I are going to get into some interesting discussions on the concept of marriage and the way that dating in this state is unique when it comes to the concept of marriage. We're also going to talk a little bit more about dating as a gay or queer person in this state and talking a little bit more about the nuances of that. So thanks for sticking around for part two and we hope you enjoy. But uh, I think the other thing, too, that is interesting here um, is, like, the examples of long-term relationships, particularly, like, married relationships, because obviously, like, marriage wasn't legal in the state or in the country as a whole until we were in high school. So, like, the examples of what a long-term gay relationship looks like after dating, you know, whether that's that's through marriage or civil union or, you know, kind of what was what was popular in our high school time. Um, I'm curious to like, kind of hear about what your thoughts, particularly when you first started dating and, and obviously, you know, you kind of had your, your experiences of, of exploring your sexuality until you, until you like kind of decided to come out for sure. But, um, what was your relationship to marriage and what is your relationship to marriage now? In a marriage dominated culture, Utah loves marriage. Yeah. So now, I mean, like I've always been, you know, intrigued by the idea of marriage. I wouldn't be surprised if one day I do get married, but it's not on the forefront of my thought. I know that if I would get married, like I would want to do it for love, but I would also probably do it for the legal benefits. Like simply knowing that if I were to suddenly die, because the amount of horror stories I've heard of gay couples specifically that were together for 30 years then their partner dies this tragic death and they don't get anything and it's just this nightmarish process because they're nothing more than like a roommate you know like I never want that I I do at one point want a family but I haven't been in a long enough like a long-term relationship enough to consider marriage seriously so it's not even something I'm thinking about because one day I will one day I will know like I do know that I will be in a long enough like a long-term relationship enough that I will consider marriage but that's not anytime soon and it's not even something to worry about until that time comes but I grew up my mom had three marriages I'm sorry mom I my mom had three marriages my dad was her third marriage so she had two failed marriages before she had me so I know that you'll have ups and downs if I marry someone and get divorced it's not a big deal but you know, my parents got divorced when I was like three, but you grew up in a very different household and situation. And I know that you have had a very interesting relationship with marriage. Yeah. Um, I mean, my parents are high school sweethearts. So I was a prom baby as much as my mom hates that I refer to myself that so way. Oh, cute. And you were conceived under a water tower, right? I was. She's going to hate Iconic. Iconic. My father, we were on a hike once in Cedar City, Utah, and my dad points to a area behind the water tower and was like, that's where you were made. And I was like, God fucking damn it, Corey. Can you not right now? I'm on a hike with my uh, grandparents. My mom was so, so mad. It oh, was that's hilarious. so funny. But yeah, so my parents are high school sweethearts. Um, they beat the odds of teen pregnancy and they've stayed together. They celebrated 25 years of marriage. This summer, my grandparents on my mom's side celebrated 50 years of marriage this summer, about three weeks before my parents. Um, so I have, you know, they're, my dad's parents are divorced. Um, obviously, my grandpa is gay. But I have, like, a really picturesque love story as my parents, you know, kind of example. And my grandparents on my mom's side are the same way. They're, they have a very loving happy relationship. And Brendan, my, my current partner's 
parents are the same way. They're high school sweethearts. They didn't get married till they were in their twenties, but they are also high school sweethearts and have been married, I think 26, 25, 26 years. So like I have a lot of examples of successful marriages and all of my aunts and uncles, their marriages are still together. The only, like I said, the only divorce in my family are my grandparents. So it's a kind of a very different perspective of like, I've had a lot of example of successful marriages, but also yeah. that is not societally the norm. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I would do have to say real fast that, no, you're right. Like I have not seen a successful long-term relationship except for my aunt and uncle that I really look up to. Like I've never seen a successful like long-term relationship or a successful marriage ever. And so I, I think just that does very much tie into our beliefs in marriage. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's really interesting, especially like in the way that we approach dating is because I was raised that dating led to marriage. Like that was how I was taught about dating and, you know, kind of looking at through the people that I, I surveyed that were also raised predominantly LDS and like learned to date in the LDS culture. Um, my, my friend, Rachel, when she was asked, she, she responded and said, I always thought I'd be married young because my mom was, and most of my friends' moms were too. Now I can't imagine being married any younger than I am. I have changed so much and likely will continue to do so through my twenties. I know some couples that got married young and went through all these changes and made it out because their love was based on more than shared values. It's hard to find that regularly and shared values play a big role in relationships. So it makes sense that so many are rocked by things like faith journeys and political followings. I definitely want to get married someday, but I don't want to rush. And I have a few years of living with a man beforehand. And I think that's such an interesting perspective because like, I also kind of share that view that Rachel has where I waited for a missionary for nine months and would like, we had a wedding date picked and like all of these things. And I really thought that like, we'd be married by a certain time and we'd have like, we'd start having kids when we were 25. That's what we talked about. So we'd start having kids at this point. And I cannot fathom being a mother right now. So like, that's just like, been a really interesting experience right. too. But also while I was dating, it really, it provided a toxic environment for my dating life. My, my previous long-term relationship, you know, there was a lot of additional flaws, but I think one of the things that really led to our downfall is that he was raised outside of the state and didn't have the same, I hate to call it anything else other than an obsession with marriage that I did. And so I, like, we got into this relationship and I was like, I am having sex with you and like, we love each other and all these things. Why wouldn't we get married? Where he was like, we're 20 years old. Why the hell would we get married? Yeah. Um, and so like, it's just such an interesting perspective. Cause again, also like my examples, my parents got married when they were 18 years old. My grandparents on my mom's side, I think they got married also like in their early, early twenties, most of my aunts and uncles got married in their early 20s. I think my only exception, my aunt Karen got married in her mid 20s, which is still so young. And so like the relationship to marriage is really, really interesting because it's been such a focus and it's only been in the last like year and a half, two years since the pandemic started that I've kind of been able to readjust my concept of what a marriage means. And, you know, my, my partner and I have spoken about it and, and it's still like something that I really, really want, but I think the concept of what a marriage means to me is very different than what it was when I was in high school, because I had one of my boyfriends in high school, even before the missionary that I waited for, he and I also talked about marriage and we were 16 years old. Like there was such a focus on, on getting married. Um, and I have actually one respondent who is currently married she so she's been married I think four years and her husband and her are the cutest couple they also got married really young and um they but they are seriously like if God exists he made them for each other Mm, but she she describes her experience she's like I had a lucky unicorn experience meeting my husband because I didn't date a ton we married super young so I struggled with a lot of expectations for what our marriage was early on 
both from familial and religious pressure. Thankfully, we are now in a place, thanks to living away from family for a period, where we are comfortable defining our relationship on our own terms and defining our own expectations. While we did get married young, we've come to terms with the situation we were in and understand why marriage happened so early for us, but we don't get recommend getting married as young as we did. So I think like that's the thing is you get married so young, you have like these hardships that you aren't necessarily prepared for because like your brain's not fully developed until you're 25 I feel like I went through a huge transformation in the last six months before I turned 25 Mm -hmm. so I can't imagine doing that in a both celestial and like government binding contract like it's it's it just adds a level of difficulty so that's interesting but like I know a few people that are our age that are already divorced yeah yeah, I, and I also know a couple people yeah. our age that are divorced or it's working like, on getting divorced. Part of the reason why I'm like, I have no rush into getting married. Because here's the thing. If it's meant to be, it'll be meant to be 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now. It doesn't matter when you get married. It'll always be meant to be. And so that's why I have no rush. Right. It's so interesting you, could, you should say that because, you know, you were talking about how even though you left the church when you were 19, the, in this regard, I do remember this affecting you the most. You're relationship with marriage I feel was one of the hardest things for you to overcome not that so much you needed to overcome it but your pressure on yourself to get and be married at a certain age I remember very vividly that is something that you struggled with for a while and yeah I remember talking asking a few people um in this survey I asked uh if they were really if they were raised religious and what it was like coming to terms with their sexuality and if being raised in that religion still affects them to this day and I got a few interesting reactions from that so our friend Quinn um is 28 they go by they them pronouns um they identify as non-binary and pansexual uh you can find them at Quinn Q-U-I-N-N Christian Wilson on Instagram they were raised LDS and spent about 15 years active in the church okay so this is what they said the reality of my sexuality really started to set in around 11 or 12 and the way i thought about the guys my age and men in general was considered a sin in the lds faith it was very stressful as i started coming into my sexuality and realizing i was queer classmates and friends also started to notice that i wasn't traditionally masculine or heterosexual I didn't have many friends at church and the only friends I had at school weren't close friends. It was incredibly isolating during my teen years. I think that definitely still affects them to this day. Like the way that you're affected when you're that age has such a profound impact on your psyche when you're older. But one response that I did want to discuss to that question as well is I got a response from our friend Jess Lewis, who identifies as bisexual. She goes by she, her pronouns. Um, you can find her at Lord Bless This Jess on Instagram, um, all one word. And she was in, she raised in the church her whole life and left the church. And this is what she said. I spent a lot of time not knowing bi was a label. So until I learned, I just assumed I was, I must be straight and that all straight girls secretly loved boobs and wanted to kiss each other. Then when I learned other people felt bisexual, I realized I identified with the label and spent a lot of time trying to pray it away. It took a long time to love myself and overcome my shame. Internalized homophobia made me feel dirty and perverted whenever I fantasized about women. I'm a writer and sometimes when I write non-heterosexual sex scenes, which is often, I still have to tell those voices to shut up and that I'm not disgusting. And so she's 25, just like us. And still deals with that and she was actually my very first girlfriend like part of the reason why I messaged her is because I I know that she had a very interesting time coming to terms with her own sexuality and I also kind of experienced that in the sense of this it was my first taste dealing with a Mormon family um, which I unfortunately have dealt with so many times and I have a lot of great stories to talk about in that regard but she was also my first bisexual girlfriend and one thing I did want to talk about you mentioned earlier about how you have had some conversations in the past that you really wish you could take back. I have said some very hurtful things and I think especially to her in the past about bisexuals. And one of the questions that I asked everybody was how other members of the LGBTQIA plus community treat them. Um, 
because bisexuals are often not taken seriously and experienced by phobia. And she said um, that as years go on, she does feel more accepted, but I've definitely experienced lesbians in the past who didn't take my identity seriously. And a gay man recently said, but I mean, since you're bisexual, I assume you mostly sleep with guys. It doesn't matter, but people love to check my percentages for whatever reason. I have definitely been a problem and a part of that in the past. I won't lie. Like I have had a lot of biphobic tendencies as a lesbian and who a person who has dated a lot of women who have used me or identified as bisexual. And what I've realized as I've gotten older is that it says way more about the person than it does the label. And Jess was always very, you know, kind to me whenever, when we dated. And I do remember that, like, I knew her feelings were 100% real, but I know I said some very hurtful things to her because I just didn't really understand what it would be like to be bisexual through her perspective. And I'm sorry if I was ever one of those lesbians that doubted your bisexuality, um, because I definitely know that I have been that person in the past. And that is something I have been actively working on. I think you've seen my journey with this, especially. And I hope you haven't felt any guilt for identifying. No, not at all. I think the thing for me, and like I was mentioning earlier, having somebody who has had kind of the experiences with, you know, bicurious women that you have and bisexual women, it's understandable that like you would find frustration in like the reject, not the rejection, but like the using that you kind of experienced. But the thing that was interesting for me is I, I, looking back now, it was very obvious that I was a bisexual person. And I've actually been kind of like playing with the concept of, of pansexuality as of late, but, and I'm, I'm in a heteronormative relationship. So at this point, sometimes it feels like it doesn't really matter because I'm in a very loving and committed relationship with a cisgender man, but it it can be a little bit difficult, especially like what I have been casually dating. Like I always felt a little bit of shame dating women, not because I was like scared to date women in that way, but because I didn't want them to think that I was using them. And I, I've had many, many, not many, many, but a a fair few bisexual friends who have also had that kind of same experience. And, and I have one friend who, when she came out as bisexual, she got just absolutely railroaded by many people for, for even coming out. They were like, why do you feel the need to come out? You're in a heteronormative relationship. And like, I remember um, somebody that I follow on Twitter had like a very similar experience happen to them where their relationship was lambasted on social media, even though she identifies as a bisexual person. And like, it's such a, it's such a hard place because there is a privilege. Like I am privileged in that, like, I've never come out to my parents. They'd be stupid if they didn't know, but <laughs> bless their hearts. But Very like true. my, like, cause like I've talked to my grandpa about it and I've talked to my aunt about it. And like, my grandma asked my aunt once when I was in between boyfriends, like, do you think Jessica's a lesbian? Like, <laughs> and, and so like, I think that they'd be a little bit ignorant to not at least guess because I'm not like necessarily private about it. But I also like, I've never felt necessarily the need to come out because I'm like, why I'm in a heterosexual relationship. Why would anybody care that I also am very attracted to women and have been for a really long time. And so it's just such an interesting, and like even dating, you know, and I think that's one of the hard things about dating, particularly in Utah is you have a lot of these women that are kind of in the same boat where they're like, I don't want to take advantage of these tried and true lesbian women, but also I need somebody to show me how to do this. Right. And not, like I said, not all of us are as privileged as to have, a gay best friend who can say hey maybe don't do that (laughs) right Um, but I do I do want to say real fast that while I have had a few traumatizing relationships with women who identify as being bisexual I have also had there's one relationship in particular that I'm thinking of in college you you didn't 
you didn't really like her. You liked her with me. You thought that we had a good relationship, but you didn't think that she liked you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I, of your relationships that you've had, the person that you're referencing, she was absolutely my favorite girlfriend that you've ever had. Um, I think that she and I were just like diametrically opposite people. (laughs) So like from a friendship standpoint, I don't think we were ever going to get along super, super well, but I will any, anytime she comes up, I will say she was a phenomenal girlfriend. And as a partner to you, I thought she was fan fantastic yeah our uh, even if she and I weren't necessarily cohesive people right? um yeah our relationship was very easy really from start to finish and I was her very first girl um dating wise every way and she was very upfront and honest about it and very upfront and honest about her concerns with that but she was also so upfront and honest about her feelings for me and she was so ready, ready and willing to just fall for those feelings and jump into them and not be afraid. And I think part of the reason why is because she was not raised Mormon and her parents were the only parents of a girlfriend I've ever had that were accepting. And unfortunately I never got to meet them because it lived in South Korea, but she grew up in kind of a liberal household. And I think that that was the biggest confounding factor that was the biggest difference between her and my other relationships is that all the other girls I've dated except the ones I've dated here in Oregon were ex-Mormon except the ones I've dated here are also ex-religion in some way so it's just you can't win but they were all ex-Mormon and she wasn't I can go off so many tangents about all the horrible experiences that I've had and that I've witnessed with my ex's families and how devastating and heartbreaking some of them are. My own mother has said that there's one of my exes, the first one I had in college. She still says that if she ever sees her mom, she wants to hit her because she was so horrible. And I was really happy to get to experience dating somebody. But for the first time, I felt like I was kind of on an equal playing field where every time I've met somebody's family, I have known that I don't stand a chance. And it's so discouraging walking into that situation, knowing that nobody wants you there. Like right off the bat, you don't go in with like kind of a clean slate and they kind of write their first impression of you. Their first opinion of you is that you're a sinner. You are why their daughter is sinning. You shouldn't be in her life. They were much better off when you weren't there and you are encouraging a lifestyle that is separating them from her. And because of you, they won't spend eternity together in the celestial kingdom. And that is all said through eye contact in the first interaction. And my very last like ex before I moved to Oregon, first time I met her family, I got in the truck because we were all driving to go to like a lake and I said hi guys you know thank you so much for letting me crash you know on your family outing it's really nice to meet all of you and not a single one of them said anything to me not a single one said anything back and it's just every time it's just such a sucker punch I mean this is kind of like I think that this is a uh such an interesting perspective because particularly like from a woman because like I said, I think that particularly the the people in Utah that are like, I don't want to, I don't know what else to call them other than like queer influencers. <laughs> um, does sure. that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah like I got the, you. the particularly like the LDS or ex LDS, like gay influencers are predominantly men. And so I think there's a lot of, a lot of dialogue around being dating as a queer man in Utah but I think that this is particularly this kind of like lesbian versus bisexual identification trauma and drama is so like brushed under the rug. And it's just been so, it's just so like frustrating that there it's not about the sexuality. It's about the external factors. And I think the family thing is such an interesting, interesting dynamic. I've only had one set of parents that I think like partner's parents that I think didn't 
like me at all. <laughs> and in their in their defense, their son and I were in a very toxic relationship with each other for the majority of the time we were together. And so as an older person now, I understand like why they were sure. like, she's this, this bitch isn't lasting. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is the reason they, one of the predominant reasons they didn't like me is they thought I was going to convert their son to Mormonism, even though I'd been out of the church for a year or so at that point. And I like, that's, that was a really interesting experience for me because I had to like multiple times explain, no, I'm not LDS anymore because they were so convinced they were, they were evangelical, like Southern Baptist Christians or something like that. And they were convinced I was going to convert my at the time boyfriend to Mormonism and on top of all of the other toxic things happening in his and I's relationship. But that was a really interesting experience because there was, it was kind of a similar thing. There was no winning, like it was going to be bad from the start. And obviously, you know, I, I didn't have the added bonus of, of being in a some same sex relationship with their son, but like, I, so I only got really experienced a 10th of what you've experienced, but it was so othering to like, it was such an out of body experience to be like, no, no matter what I do, these people are not going to like me. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. No. Like, and I tried, I really did. But like, so, that's, it was just such an interesting, such an interesting yes. experience. Well, and something else that I wanted to touch on too, particularly like with parents and adults in regards to, obviously we're adults at this point, but like teenage dating that I was remembering while we were talking is I remember when I was in church as like a 16 or 17 year old, we, the youth were asked to pass out basically the wards version of a newspaper to all of the ward members front steps. And we were right. each like assigned a couple blocks. And I walked with a boy who I was really good friends with down. Like he was going on a block that was on my way to my house. So I walked with him while he did his route. And then I was going to do my route around my block while I was there. And one of the members of the bishopric followed us like tracked us down. We weren't, it was not in church hours. We were voluntold to do this. I was not in a church setting at this point. We were walking home and happened to be putting newspapers on people's French porches. This bishopric member tracked us down and gave us this whole speech about how we in the LDS church, men and women aren't called to do callings together until they're married. And how we shouldn't have gone off alone together and all of these things. And I, he, this boy that I was with, he was my first kiss, but like we kissed, I think three times ever in middle school. And then like, from that point on, we were just really good friends. And both of us were like, I'd actually be really curious to hear what his perspective on this is now. We haven't talked about it in a really long time, but like, it was such a weird experience. And I think about it now and I'm like, could you imagine this man was like in his mid forties and he was chasing after two teenagers on their way home to be like, you guys can't walk together. And I was like, what do you think we do at school? We sit by each other at school. Like, what do you think we're doing outside of this right. three hour block <laughs> that you control us? And also in that same time period, we had the young men's president at a mutual event also give a talking to, to us about how, like, if we weren't careful, we were going to, like go down the wrong path, like just to the two of us and like made a very derogatory comment about me as a woman and like how I was going to have to get re married really young because like I was just so boy obsessed. And also in that same ward, did I ever tell you about the girls camp award I got? I, oh, I think so. Remind me, remind okay. me. So I loved girls camp. I loved LDS girls camp. I got really lucky in the, the stake I was in we did like actual camping. You were in a tent. We did backpacking the whole bit. It was so Do you so want to explain fun. real fast what like award stake that kind of stuff is? Oh Just yeah. Okay. So quick. in the LDS church, like I said, the LDS church is kind of based. It's, it's honestly built like an MLM. There's no other way. It, like it's a pyramid. So award is in your neighborhood. So like it's roughly a hundred to 200 people in a neighborhood and there's usually four to five wards in a stake and a stake is over like a whole section of neighborhood s-t-a-k-e just so yes. you all know stake <laughs> and then over that is an area so like a town will be considered an area etc cetera, etc cetera. so 
usually with girls camp, you go to girls camp with all of the women or the girls 12 to 18 in your stake. So it's all of the wards together. It's so fun. I got really lucky. A lot of people hate girls camp. I loved girls camp, but one of the things that was regular in our girls camp anyway, is we did superlatives. So at the end of girls camp, kind of based on how girls camp went with like inside jokes and stuff, we'd give each other awards And one of the awards I got my very, I was 12 years old. It was my first year at girls camp. I was with 12 to 18 year olds. So like a mix of ages of girls. And then it was like a lot of moms were our kind of young women's leaders. And I got the award most likely to get married young for her nonstop talk about boys. I was awarded this award in front of my parents, in front of half of my ward, like all of the parents of the girls in my ward. Like it was mortifying. I was 12 years old and I'd like it to be noted that of the girls I went to that girls camp with, I am one of two that are unmarried. Oh, so fuck bitches. you all. Genuinely, you ruined my life for like no, six No, and weeks. honestly, that, because like even just what you were saying about that one boy, how his like fucking literally middle-aged father followed you down the street as you were handing out newspapers putting that you pl- they she, like they basically planted that seed that you are like a sex crazed little kid yes. that they should keep their children away from and that is such exactly. a big deal in the mormon church yeah well and then this was the other thing too is like the shame around it so like i was definitely off doing things i wasn't supposed to be doing in kind of my half of my sophomore and most of my junior year of high school i had uh, a boy that i was definitely exploring my sexuality with and and vice versa and i didn't think anybody else was like in this experience and then come to find out post high school and post college, everybody was doing the same thing. I was, everybody was giving boys blowjobs and we all acted like I was some heinous sinner for this, but everybody else was doing it too. So like, there's like this real, it's just like such a shameful, shameful thing. But then also it's like, so pushed on the other hand, like the moment you're back, you like flip the switch is flipped because suddenly it becomes all about marriage. Like, my, my friend Bridget also referenced in her survey, uh, she says, when my husband and I started dating within about a one month of going public, people primarily from our same religion started asking if we were planning to get married. Like they expected us to answer if this nascent relationship was the real deal. It put so much pressure on us where we felt we couldn't discuss our relationship with anyone for fear they would push us towards marriage or spread rumors about a relationship. It's so insane looking back. that's and that's just the heart like it's just such a hard thing because what even if you're in it and you're doing everything you're supposed to like there's still this insane like you're you're just being watched no matter what and like there's this whole other element of like temple worthiness and things like that that make it so difficult to date in the state and I know that we've been like harping on all these kind of negatives so I'd love to kind of talk about more of like okay these are the bad things like what can we do about it or like what how do we, how do we approach dating as adults in this culture and still do it in like a healthy mindset or how do we protect ourselves? Cause that's, I think another thing is my friend, Rachel, like she just barely kind of decided to do this faith transition and she's been dating um, outside of kind of the confines of a church dating relationship. And she's had some really, some might say scary situations happen to her because she she was given the mechanics of a sex talk, but also like the sidebars of like the whole consent thing and like what's okay and what's not okay. And it's so difficult. We were literally, while we were recording, I got a new response from somebody that I was really, really excited to get a response from because she is an out of state person. She's from Chicago. Shout out Delaney. You can find her at delaneyrose.png, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y rose.png on Instagram. She is a delight. We love her, Mm -hmm. but she's from Chicago. She's from the suburbs of Chicago and she moved to Utah to do college in 2015. So she has a really interesting perspective because she grew up in a very uh, liberal household from what I understand. And she definitely did not grow up LDS. So she's had like a really interesting experience coming into the state. And she's also a very eloquent writer. So literally I could read all of her responses and it would just sound beautiful, but kind of harping back to like 
some of the the more interesting experiences of dating in Utah. She, I asked her, like, how would you describe the dating scene in Utah? And she says, unless you're an athlete or a Mormon, it's incredibly hard to date here. People distill your personality down to how well you can ski, hike, climb, or how pious you are. People are either so intense about commitment or incredibly adverse to it. There's very little gray area here in terms of dating, and it ends up being rather intense experience either way. Also, the majority of the people here have so much trauma surrounding sex and dating that it's often very hard to connect with people on these topics. And that's such an interesting perspective, like from an external person. And we haven't really talked on like the outdoorsy element and then also like the physical element of dating here where there's such a desire for perfection, both physically and morally that like- There's that chewed gum element in the church too. Yes. Like the chewed gum element where like, if you've had sex previously, like you're tainted, but also like from a physical standpoint, like Utah is one of the highest, has one of the highest rates of plastic surgery in the country because there's such this idea of like what a perfect woman is. And I've talked to Delaney about this before and she's like, outside of Utah, I am like a nine out of 10, but in the state, she feels like she is lower on like the, the one out of 10 scale. And even though she's not, she's an absolutely stunning human being, but she's a curvy girl. And so in Mm -hmm. Utah, where it's like very, very idolized to be a thin person, you get into this other element of dating here where like the physical elements make it even harder to date because there's such, I mean, there's like this funny stereotype here. And, and I mean, this might be a good segue into like kind of the funny stereotypes in Utah, both negative and positive that ugly men end up with beautiful women in the state. It is, I hate to like put it that way, but traditionally not good looking men definitely end up with tens in the state. And it's really there interesting. A few guys you've dated that I think, um, zeros into your attempt so I could agree with this thank you come on (laughs) I mean you're not wrong in some cases but anyway yes Jess please continue yeah uh it's uh it's interesting so you know the stereotypes are the stereotypes are definitely there and I think it happens on both sides because I think that you know I I hate to sit here and lambast 50% of the population in the state just for being LDS, but it's kind of easy considering my LDS trauma, but like there's definitely stereotypes around dating, even like within LDS on LDS relationships that are are really interesting. Uh, My friend, Rachel, who I've kind of mentioned a couple of times, she we found on Instagram at Rachel N19, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N 19 on Instagram. She references online dating in Utah. And she says, uh, I've tried most dating apps. Ironically, I've had the worst experiences on mutual. Both dates that I went on through the app ended in sexual assault. I'm not LDS anymore, but for anyone I know that is, I never recommend mutual. It carries the assumption that all the people on there are safe and dependable. So it's easier to let your guard down and rely on your boundaries yet less. And I think that's totally the case. I think you have this concept that because there's like this pious energy around um, the LDS culture that you assume that when you're with, and I, I think that in a lot of cases it's true, but in 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 some cases it's definitely not that like if you're around a a religious man like you're safer but in practice I think that that is definitely (laughs) I hate to laugh because it's it's really frustrating but sometimes there's all you can do is is grin and bear it like it's definitely definitely a thing and and I think those stereotypes definitely play into the culture of dating here um, Allison, I know some of your respondents kind of talked about the stereotypes. Um, what did they have to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you touched on something I kind of, I definitely wanted to talk about, which is the sexual assault aspect of it. Every single girl I've been with, every single girlfriend I've had, every single girl I've dated, except for one, has been sexually assaulted and raped. Every single one. And most of them were in the context of church. A lot of them were in that context or in the context of 
because of the church, I didn't know how to stand up for myself or say no, or I didn't know that what was happening was wrong, even though I didn't like it. But the first girl I was ever with when I was 18, like sexually, um, my first girlfriend in college, she had the boy that she was with before me was so horrible to her. And she had so much trauma that like we had to work through that it's it's almost it's it's made it's made me a better person in the sense that I'm really good at respecting people's boundaries and asking for consent and making sure that people are always comfortable because I never want to be somebody who makes somebody uncomfortable because unfortunately most women have had an experience where they are sexually traumatized and it's not just women too like my friend Riley at S Riley Smith that I mentioned a bit earlier he told me this story and I got his I reached out after he sent me this to make sure that it was okay to share this story because it's intense so trigger warning um, it is about sexual assault he said the reason I bring this up is because I went into the dating scene closeted and alone and did not discuss it with any of my friends or family because I was horrified of even coming out an older man at my high school that I felt comfortable confiding in I had confessed some of my early notions of recognizing my sexuality etc too he later invited me over one night to talk it out further it ended up being my first sexual experience after he had raped me at 15 years old although extremely heavy I only bring this up because with how heavy heavily religion influences the culture in Utah I've heard similar stories from other individuals he had used my inexperience and fear of being outed against me If I had grown up in a much more open environment, I can't guarantee the same thing would have happened. At least I would have been able to talk and communicate these things with those around me more easily, especially without the guise of judgment or being closed off by others due to their religion. And I, yeah, I mean, that's coming from a gay man. And I think especially sexual assault amongst men is something that's not talked about and is something that's often laughed off. Wow. On top of having to deal with coming to terms with your sexuality. Like, I think that's the thing too, that's so difficult is, and, and like he references not having any support system to go to regarding what his experience was. And, you know, I, I didn't have the added layer of having that experience on top of dealing with, you know, a, a sexuality my parents didn't approve of, but like, I have wondered with, in regards to, you know, my various sexual assaults, like what would have changed had I felt like I could, I didn't have like the shame and guilt of being dirty in a religious setting to talk about it. And I, you know, I happened to get really lucky with, with a boyfriend post, you know, kind of my first couple of experiences that I was able to tell. And he was really, really nice to me about it. But even still, it was like, I, I can't fathom the, the support system thing is just so imperative. And I mean, 97% of women have been assaulted in some form, but like, I, I've always wondered like what, what that statistic is with men. Cause I know like I've talked to many of my, my gay male friends and they have all, they've all had some sort of experience like this. I think it's, it's. I can only imagine that as a man, it's so much more difficult or not. I hate to say much more difficult because it's difficult no matter what setting or what gender you are, but like having the lack of support of like the hashtag believe all women and like having, I hate that we even have to say like not having the support is rough because like in, in a perfect world, like this wouldn't even be a thing, but like not having the conversation surrounding it, because like, like you said, most if not all of my girlfriends have been sexually assaulted in some capacity and so there is this sick camaraderie of like oh I kind of know what you've experienced you kind of know what I've experienced even if they happen in different contexts we both kind of know what that feels like where for men because they don't talk about like they don't have the avenues to talk about it in the way that we do like it's it's such a brushed under the rug kind of thing Um, and then it causes further like you said it just causes further trauma because they're not given the resources to deal with it. Yeah, and it absolutely. And it also has to do with the fact that, you know how you were discussing earlier, how 
sexuality just isn't something that's discussed in the church let alone like proper um sexual conduct and consent that is especially not discussed in gay culture because if it's not discussed in straight culture you can expect that it is especially not discussed in regards to gay men and women and everybody on that spectrum that has sexual encounters with each other it's like a lot of them think it just doesn't count because it's not real sex and I'm sure I, I can't claim to know what Riley's rapist was thinking but I but I'm sure that he had he was comforted knowing that he was preying on somebody who couldn't go to anybody for help and Riley even you know told me what it was like to come out to his family and he didn't come out to them he was raised Catholic by the way which is just a different flavor of homophobic and he said it was extremely difficult come to terms with sexuality. After coming out, I did not go home for a few weeks. I stayed with my current boyfriend, who's now my husband. I grew up with a verbally and physically abusive stepfather who was the beat the gay out of you conservative. I didn't choose to come out, but rather they found out through their own means. After those few weeks, I had a conversation with my mom about it, where she continued to press the ideals that I was bi rather than gay. Rather than accepting it at the time, she kept pushing the topic whether I could ever date a woman, if I broke up with my boyfriend, if I would just try dating a woman, etc. Later on, I found out that both my stepfather and my mother had breakdowns at work and other places because they thought they had done something wrong in raising me to come out the way I did. They eventually came to terms with it, but still voice very much they don't want me to be the flaming type of homosexual. By their definition, quote, Please tell us you're not going to go around in feminine clothes, flying a rainbow flag, or running around the streets in parades. No one wants to see that, end quote. They still don't believe in same-sex marriage either and look at me as an exception. The same would be said for my husband's family. I just can't... Again, I was very privileged and lucky to have a mother that accepted me. But The thing that's frustrating about that, this is something, again shout out holly the therapist that she said to me in my session this last week because i kept kind of like referencing the privileges and whatever that i had it is not like it is you are privileged for having a mom that like was nice to you about coming out but like that shouldn't be a privilege do you know what i mean like yeah true should be the baseline that your parents are nice to you because they're your you're their kid like they chose Mm -hmm. to put you on this earth yeah anyway I could rant about this but like no you're right that's a good point it is it should be baseline that your mom was nice to you like it should be a privilege that your mom threw you a fucking coming out party or whatever you want to say but like she didn't but she was she did but yeah like the example <laughs> but like the 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 bar is in hell <laughs> yeah it's low she's low Oh God. But I, Riley, thank you for sharing your experience yeah, with thank us. You, Riley. That consent is so rarely taught. And when it is taught, it's taught a heterosexual lens. Mm-hmm. Consent should be taught through the lens of every body that you're with, every person that you're with. Consent isn't just about she says yes to him before he puts it in her. Like that's not necessarily what consent should be about it should be about the person that i'm with regardless of how they identify who they are what they look like what their skin type is regardless of any of that are they happy are they willing are they wanting regardless of what it is we are doing and i think that that is something that's like you know you if, if you get the consent talk you get it in the heterosexual voice you don't get it in the all encompassing voice And I think that's something that should be more talked about as well. So that not only is there maybe less sexual assault, but maybe mm-hmm. people that are unfortunately in Riley's situation when they're 15 mm-hmm. might be able to think, oh, we talked about this in class. It doesn't matter that you're a man and I'm a man. It matters that I don't want to do this. Yeah. that's what matters and so I I think that we we just need to change the way we talk about it yeah to make it more 
inclusive. And honestly, that would be such an easy thing to do. Literally mm-hmm. such an easy thing to do, but ugh, absolutely I about this forever. Yeah. I, as one of my capstone projects, uh, my senior year, I did a study on uh, consent culture in Greek life and every single research study that has been done on this has proven that better consent education leads to less sexual assaults. Every single one. And also talking about it and verbalizing it gives, also decreases the rates of sexual assault. So I, and, and I will say one of the things that I was most grateful for when I was kind of in a, a quote unquote ho phase before I met my now partner, um, I was really, really lucky in that the handful of one night stands that I had, sorry, mom, the men that I was with, uh, and, and there's one in particular that I will always, always laud for being one of the most respectful bedmates I've ever had that showed that it's not difficult to ask for consent. You know, every, every step of the way they, they were, is this okay? But like not, and then it didn't take away from the mood. It didn't, it didn't ruin the vibe. And the moment I was like, you know, I'm good on this. It was immediately over. And he was like, great, that's just fine. Like, awesome. Because they, again, the bar is in the fucking hell, but (laughs) like, because they understood it's not fun to have sex with somebody who doesn't want to have sex with me. So um, not at all. Yeah. Like I, I, and, and to this day, like, I really, really appreciate um, that one person in particular because they really gave me an example of what consent looks like on a regular, easy one night stand style basis. So it kind of like what you just said about me with like a parent that supports me, that should be the bare minimum. That should be the bar. Mm-hmm. So I think like um, we kind of identified, you know, some of the, the action steps, like in regards to consent, but like, what about, obviously we've kind of talked about some of like the, the unique and frankly negative aspects of dating in Utah. What do we think? I mean, you've, had some successful relationships I've had a successful relationship like you know whether it be from online dating or meeting somebody in a bar meeting somebody in class or whatever what do you think some ways are that we can kind of mitigate or have you found that mitigate some of the more toxic traits of dating in Utah I I honestly don't even know if I have an answer because the toxic the toxicity of Utah culture doesn't come through me it comes through the people I've dated in the sense that they're the ones that grew up Mormon and while I do have a background in growing up more like in a Mormon culture and while I have definitely have religious trauma from just everything that I've experienced because of Mormon culture it's not the same and I know what I can do to make it easier for other people but I can't necessarily say what they can do to make it easier for them, you know, because I think that's something that'll simply come with age. And I think that's something like I'll find my more meaningful relationships as I get older, because as people get more confident in who they are. So I don't really know if I have an answer for that because it'll never be easy to date as a queer person in a religious community ever. And Mm. even though I'm not Mormon, it has still had such a profound impact on me. Yeah. And I know the things that I can do to make it easier, which is always ask for consent, always make somebody feel comfortable. But I don't really know what to say for everybody else besides just be Perfect. confident, you know, and keep going. But I don't know. But yeah. what about you? Um, I think the big one, like I just said, kind of as a joke, but also like in seriousness, I think that therapy is really the biggest thing that a lot of us can, can do. I think that like specific behavioral therapy regarding your relationship to sex. I, you know, I've been sexually active for going on six plus years and I'm still longer than that. If you really think about it, like 10 years and I'm still dealing with some of the religious trauma of, of growing up with a suppressive sexual education 
And I really think that surrounding myself with people who don't have that. And I, I want to shout out Delaney again on this because she's one of the, the first people that I've ever watched date in like a quote unquote normal way. And like, I, you know, also Alice and I were part of this kind of quote unquote underground group in college called that we, we did this thing called slutty Saturday in which we, a group of us women got together and really embraced our femininity and like talked about our sexualities and talked about, you know, kind of like our, our experiences and let us really like, let ourselves really like trust in other women. And I think that was really, really helpful for me coming to terms with my own relationship to my body. Cause I think I, I, I don't agree with the concept of like, if you can't love yourself, how are other people going to love you? But I do think that there is something to be said for building a relationship with yourself that will help your relationship with others. And, you know, kind of on like a more less serious and more practical standpoint, I think opening yourself up to, especially like via online dating, you know, Allison kind of mentioned this previously, but like when I met my long-term partner, Brendan, he was a mold breaker for me. Like I had dated the same type of guy or like the same kind of personality for a really long time. And it was not working, ladies and gentlemen. It was oh, not man. happening. Um, and it wasn't until I opened myself up to different types of people, different types of body types, different types of, you know, backgrounds that I really was able to find the person that I'm planning on spending the rest of my life with. But I will say the one thing that I wish I'd done more of in college is I wish I would have slept around more. Fair enough. I would like to piggyback on what you said more. Um, I think therapy is a great option. Obviously, it's a wonderful resource. And talking about, simply talking about trauma, whether it be religious, sexual, will help a lot of people come to terms with who they are. And I think simply getting the word out as to how many people are actually in your same boat will help normalize situations and experiences that people go through and unity exactly It'll, you know you won't feel as alone and yeah I think you know therapy is a great resource for that and I might delete what I said earlier because it wasn't very you know <laughs> uplifting but it no don't no I'm just gonna say I think that you have a different perspective than I do I think that it is there's there's a reason that you chose to leave the state like there are multiple reasons, obviously, but one of the reasons was because you know that you are not very likely to find a long-term relationship here because of the culture and the experiences that you've had here. And that's okay. <laughs> it's um, true. Yeah. I've, I have a negative relationship with dating in Mormon, Utah, that's for sure. And mm-hmm. I definitely at one point have the perspective of I never want to date next Mormon again but that's also not fair because there are many people who could be ex-Mormon that are wonderful people and aren't like and are ready for a serious relationship you know what I mean it I shouldn't put that label or that put anybody in that box but it I think frustrating yeah I've been I think way more affected by Utah culture than I I think I've cared to admit and how it's traumatized me and how it's affected my current dating style and how it's made me think of religion and families. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The thought of marriage actually makes me pretty anxious Yeah, because I know that this is kind of stupid. I'm 25 years old, but I know that I'll have to kiss somebody in front of my whole family and theirs. Allison. <laughs> I know, but it's that makes me so sad. I know, so but it's, it's one of the things that's made me the most anxious ever. Yeah. And it's something stupid that I know in the moment I'll be able to get over, but I have never kissed my a partner in front of anybody in my family. Whereas, you know, my brother will lean over and kiss his girlfriend like when we're all sitting on the couch. It doesn't matter, you know, and I've never showed yeah. any f- physical affection. It's, it's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like, I think that's, it's, it's just frustrating that you have to deal with kind of like the internal trauma 
and the the internal you know kind of homophobia that living where you lived and growing up the way you grew up like even though you had a supportive mom still kind of has that wall up yeah that's so sad yeah and no, it just it just makes me worried to yeah. yeah to be physically affectionate and many of the people that I surveyed also mentioned that they are afraid to be physically affectionate with their partners in public and that was something that I really had to fight through and when I was with Jess the girl who the bisexual who submitted her survey I know that was something that I was really struggling with when we were dating and I know that I really affected her because she didn't care and I had a really hard time holding hands and that's something that still sometimes does affect me Allison, I really appreciate you, you know, and, and you and, and your friends that, that were willing to participate in this, sharing this queer perspective of dating in Utah. I think that it's something that, you know, it kind of gets talked about on like a, a macro level, but like really diving into the micro levels of like the experience and kind of what, a, what like, what the day-to-day looks like is so valuable, especially as somebody and like our listeners as people that are in straight relationships that don't necessarily see this other side of the difficulty of dating. You know, my, my friend Brie is in the throes of straight dating and she hates it, but like, even still, you know, we don't necessarily have the exact, like the same trauma and difficulty of dating in Utah as, as queer people do. So thank you for, for taking the time to share with their experiences. And thank you to everybody that responded to Allison for being willing to kind of share these difficult these difficult topic topics. And, you know, I will say that I, I like to think that there is hopefully, you know, some turning points happening in this state. I we're seeing a mass exodus from the LDS church in our generation. And I hope to see that continue and maybe we'll heal some of the hurt that our generations and the generations before us have had to experience. So I guess here's a half-hearted finger cross hoping that truly <laughs> things but- will things will get better but yeah thank you Jess as well I feel bad I feel like I monopolized a lot of the conversation um around date like uh, the queer dating but that was not the intention um I still think you gave some very interesting perspectives on dating as an ex-Mormon or Delaney as like a a woman from Chicago coming to this dumpster fire and trying to just date casually like oh my god um I think you gave some very interesting perspectives on that. Um, So thank you. Is there anything else that um, you didn't get the chance to talk about? No, I've got a funny story, like a funny dating story from Delaney that I, we can finish on as like a light note if you'd like. Um, But Allison, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, I can't, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of other things I could talk about, but we don't need to talk about it right now. I'm sure it'll come up again later. And, but yeah, I think that we talked about a lot of really good stuff and covered a lot. And I'm really glad that we were able to get some other people's stories and perspectives in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to all of our survey participants. We really appreciate you. And even if we didn't get to some of your specific stories, um, you, your experiences definitely informed our conversation. So thank you to everybody who sent in and to our friends and Allison, I guess you're included in this technically who are fighting for their lives in the single dumb hood. We salute you. All right. Are you ready to hear Delaney's unhinged dating story? I'm so excited. Okay. So I asked Delaney in this survey, what is a specific story that comes to mind of an experience you had dating that you don't think would have had, you would have had anywhere else. And I think she took this as a very U- nature side of Utah specific story. So she says, there was one date where we went on a hike um, and his friends, the man that she was on a date with, his friend's dog got bit by a rattlesnake. So we had to run down the mountain and drive an hour away to the nearest animal yard ER because it was 8 p.m. on a Sunday. I had to lay in the trunk with the dog the whole time. Then afterwards, the date got me chicken nuggets, dropped me off, and we never spoke again. Delaney, we need to know if the dog made it. Yeah, there I have way more questions than I should after <laughs> listening to that. Listen, at oh some my point, God. 
I really want to have Delaney on the podcast because she to talk about online dating at some point because no one is better at online dating than her. And I think we'll need to ask more questions about this experience because like A, the dog, did the dog make it? B, were the chicken nuggets good? (laughs) Truly, where were they from? Incredible. So, so many, so many bad first date vibes happening here. A, a hike, mids. B, a nearly dead dog. We're going to assume because she shared the story with us, the dog made it. That the dog is fine. I assume so. If he drove to get her chicken nuggets, I'm going to assume the dog made it. Yeah, the dog's probably fine. So I'll find out and I'll update you in the next episode. Chaos. Thank you guys so much for listening to this long episode. We had so much fun and also a lot of emotions clearly talking about this topic. And if you have any dating advice that you would say as a veteran in the Utah dating scene that you'd like us to consider, I'm sure we'll revisit this topic again. You can find us at Salt Lime Storytime on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'll be honest, if you're Facebook DMing us, we'll do our best, but like honey get on Instagram. <laughs> it's true. 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 Um, we are, we were, this is such a great topic. Thank you, Allison. Thank you to all of our respondents. And if you are interested in any of our checking out any of our respondents, Instagrams, they'll be linked in our bio or in the episodes description. And that's all she wrote. Allison, any final thoughts? Please join us next week for another three two one shots episode and then the week after that we will be discussing conspiracy theories and jess and i are both very excited to talk about conspiracy theories i have a few that i am very well one in particular that i am pumped to talk about literally cannot wait i think that's it thank you all so much for listening this was another great episode jess thank you Thanks for listening to Salt Lime Storytime. See you next time. Bye. Okay, bye.